Welcome to Cambridge Stronger, where culture counts and values matter most. I'm your host, Amy Weber, and I'm joined here today by Sean Williams, a wealth advisor at Sojourn Wealth Advisory. Thanks for joining us, Sean. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I've been enjoying listening to the other podcasts and you know, grateful for the invite. I'm super excited because I think, based on the podcast I've done thus far, that you are one that fits into a pretty exciting category for us, a generation of fiercely independent entrepreneurs who are below the average age in the industry. And I can't wait for our listeners to hear about what intrigued you to get into our business. So let's start there. Tell us your story. How'd you get started? And how'd you get to where you are today? Sure. Well, I greatly appreciate that. Anytime that I'm still considered part of the younger category, I'll, I'll chalk that up as a win. How I got started was I was in college with a business administration degree with a concentration in marketing, but in my junior and senior year was working at a bank. And I just noticed that things were very transactional in nature, very symptom oriented, very product oriented. And while I was working with people to give them advice on their finances, you only had 10 or 15 minutes at the desk you know, while other people were waiting in line. I just didn't really think that that was conducive to, to working with people on long range plans for them. So as I graduated college was thinking, okay, if I were to remain in the financial industry, what would that look like? And I didn't want to work as a stockbroker at a wirehouse where I would be running a portfolio, but had no idea how that might impact the, the person's overall finances. And similarly, didn't want to work with an insurance company because I didn't want the answer to always be a very expensive insurance policy, you know, whether it was life insurance or an annuity or something like that, and that it was always focused on product. So I began looking at different firms and then took a position with a firm that was more investment focused, but also, you know, had a focus in financial planning. So that was helpful to start, but unfortunately, the, the company was very proprietary in nature with their own investments and was very limited in how it would serve clients. And I knew long-term that, that I wanted to help my clients more and give them more access to greater things. So that was kind of my background up to that point. And then, you know, started looking around and I know that you can appreciate this. If you're looking to think more long-term independent broker dealers, you know, some are owned by venture capitalists where, you know, they may turn around and sell it to someone else three, four years, you know, down the, the line. Also, too, I didn't want to work with an independent broker dealer that was an insurance company owned by an insurance company, because then again, there's still the, the predisposition to the insurance products and the expectation that you're going to buy or sell those, those products. And then the firm that I was at was publicly traded. And so the irony is, is that, you know, you're helping people invest in the markets that help them be financially independent. But then when you're working with an independent broker dealer that is really paying attention to just those quarterly results, rather than doing long-term and long-range planning, it can be very short-sighted. And so, you know, if, if you look through those three filters, that, that list of independent broker dealers becomes, you know, far shorter. So in just doing further due diligence, and knew Greg Grimsley, and he introduced me to Pat Beagle, and Cambridge just seemed, you know, like a great fit, you know, from the start. So, so was it a big decision to jump into your own business? A lot of times when people start off in our industry, I know that one of them is you might have to take a step backwards, right? It's not a, it's not always the salary that you might be able to get on a regular basis if you were working for a company. So, 
what were those thoughts that went through your mind as you were thinking about taking that kind of decision? Yeah. Well, I would also say I would not be able to do it without the support of my wife, Karen. I mean, there was just no way, you know, to start a business and to start a business in this industry. There's just no way that that would have happened. But in, in thinking of long term, when you sign up with an employer for a, a salary position, you pretty much set the ceiling. Now, hopefully you do well for the business and the business grows and you do better and your career can move on and things like that. But in this business, what really spoke to me was there was no limit or ceiling that I was imposing on myself for my career. And that there's been plenty of times in my industry where I would probably make more if I was working for a different firm because of, you know, the skills that I've built up. Still, I know long term, I'm not going to have the success or would have the success available to me if I was focused in on, on limiting and the flexibility to, you know, just having two small children and, and be able to, to be there and, and to be able to ascend, attend the soccer games or different things like that if, if needed and to work my schedule around it. You know, it's so funny. Two of the biggest obstacles for people considering getting into our business are flexibility, which for whatever reason, we just haven't done a good job of getting the word out that you just described, which is when you're working for yourself, you can have the flexibility that you need to balance whether you're a mother or a father or maybe taking care of an elderly parent, which is happening more and more frequently. Just at the end of the day, that flexibility exists. And the other thing is, I don't know that people realize just how much of a difference you can make and how fulfilling it can be. It feels more like corporate numbers, like we were talking about earlier as it relates to the different kinds of companies that are in our industry. But the independent space for people like you really does offer you the ability to kind of build your own values and your own organization in a way that you can feel very fulfilled. And that's uh, really great messaging for our listeners because I think we lose sight of that. So talk to our listeners about your embark, explore, and discover approach when it comes to financial planning. Yeah, absolutely. So with the firm name Sojourn Wealth Advisory, it, it comes from the point of view that life is a sojourn. And so how we spend our days on this journey have a large impact. And so from that, you know, historically in the industry, it's been very retirement focused. And sure, that is a worthy goal and a worthy item to plan for, but it's not everything. And that if you're, you're dealing with, you know, millennials or Gen Xers, and, and even some of, you know, my clients that are baby boomers and beyond saying, you know, I want to do more than just retire, or some people may never choose to retire. So how do you structure that? And so that life, you know, can provide greater opportunities for them and for their family when the money is managed well through each and every season, through each and every, you know, phase of life. So with that, wanted to use language and, and structure the services that I provide my clients, something that would not only, you know, resonate with myself if I'm going to be doing it and be honest and authentic, but that it would speak to them you know, as well. And so with the kind of language of embark, explore, discover, of, of embarking, getting ready to, to envision this journey and to do the homework and the, and the necessary items to see, okay, what, what do we need to prepare for this? And then for the explore to look at and see what kind of analysis can we do to see 
what are their person's opportunities that they have available to them? What might different you know, avenues look like? And then to discover those and then to continue you know, to, to monitor and to be that guide, to be working with them on that journey. Some of the language too thought of with you know, Cambridge's RPM, real practice management, was how can I uniquely serve the clients you know, that, I'm, that I'm meant to and use language that again is is appropriate and and speaks to you know the value that I provide my clients. And what I found is is from the way that I've structured the services from clients, there's really three different things that motivate families to work with me on that. One is the trajectory, right? So if we're working with them and with you know compound with time value with everything else if we're making you know hopefully beneficial decisions it's going to impact the trajectory of them of their family potentially of their community and, and how they're able to support it and so from that standpoint that's a great motivator the other thing is momentum and a lot of the time it's it's being that that person that catalyst that helps them know what the next step is and to take it and that a lot of the time people say, well, I know what I need to do, but, and so to be that gentle reminder of this is how it's going to impact, this is how it's going to help you achieve your goals, you know, provides them the momentum to do that. And then really, you know, what's kind of part of the discussion that we've already said, but, you know, people can make a decision in banking, they can make a decision in employee benefits with their retirement, you know, they could make a bent decision with the insurance with, you know, somebody who knocks on their door selling a policy. But still, many people don't have what that does for their entire family and that perspective. And so to give them the clarity to do so, to how this decision impacts all these things. And that's what I saw you know, missing in a lot of those previous business models that I wanted to offer my clients. And so with that, wanted to express that, but also build the process, build the service around the clients so that it could achieve that for them. And is your process flexible? I assume it is because not all clients' goals are the same. Right. And that's the, that's the interesting thing to where, you know, surprisingly, it's not uncommon to where you can talk with someone and they say, I don't know what my financial goals are. And then you just pose the questions to learning about them. You know, it, what motivates you? you know, and, and those types of questions to where there is goals that they have that are underneath, but it may be run contrary to what they're seeing in the advertisements of, you know, different, you know, financial institutions on TV or, or wherever they're, they're watching that they don't think, well, this isn't something that everybody else is because it's different and said, no, that's how we want to structure things. If this is what you want to achieve, this is how we can structure things differently. And there's a host of different, you know, examples of that. And so giving them the opportunity to get to know them also too, and connect their finances with their motivations can have a huge impact. And they feel that, you know, with working with them, you know, over time and, and even initially, they can tell that it's different from perhaps what they've heard before. I think that's another unique differentiator about our segment of the business is really that, I'll call it life planning approach, where you do spend time trying to connect and ask more questions and understand rather than building a model portfolio and assuming it's going to work for everybody at this age that has this investment objective, a really unique differentiator. So speaking of serving families, you mentioned your wife and children. Tell us a little bit about them. And I don't know how old the children are, but are we going to raise any young Cambridge advisors through those kids? I, I don't know. I don't know. So they're both really smart and they're doing really well academically. They have their mother to thank for that. And my oldest, August, is 13, 
and then Adele is nine. And so it's been interesting, you know, just different conversations over the years. They have a lot of different interests, which I'm really grateful for. And right now, just thrilled that they're exploring each and every one of them and that we get to participate and, and hear and, and see their growth in it. They go to a fantastic school and, and give, which gives them a lot of different opportunities to, to learn different things on a deeper level. So we're really thrilled with that, but it can be funny different conversations because, you know, I'll have different promotional things, you know, for the business. And I think my daughter was in third grade when she said, well, I'm going to bring this so that people can see, you know, the Sojourn name. And I just thought it was funny, you know, here she was at, you know, seven or eight at the time and thinking of that. And we were driving and she just told me the other day, she's like, I would like you to have a building one day, maybe one day you're building. And I said, really a building? Why do you want, why do you want it to have a building? I said, well, maybe you can get the building, you know, it's just, so it's, it's part of, you know, what they're thinking and, and motivated for the family, but, you know, we'll see where their interests take them. But yeah, they're, they're an absolute hoot and it's just a joy to joy to have them. That's for sure. Do you know how they explain to others what you do? Have you heard them try to articulate what your job is? <laughs> Amy, that's that's hilarious because when I think my son was seven, six or seven, he said, Dad, when I get older, I want to do what you do, but I want to shoot the bad guys. So I was thinking, what in the world does he think I do? <laughs> like, what kind of active, you know, forensic accounting, CIA, you know, kind of thing. Uh, so, but no, working with them and kind of explaining, you know, how it is we help people with money and make decisions. Of course, now that they're older, you know, we go through some of that just even kind of examples, you know, just how to be a smart consumer and, and where to buy, you know, how to save, what investing looks like, you know, different income opportunities, different things like that to have that conversation, you know, to have them engaged. You know, I think whatever they do, they'll be very successful. You know, you're probably familiar with the marshmallow test. If you give a you know, child one marshmallow and say you can eat it now, but, you know, an hour later, I'll give you two or something like that seeing the way that our, you know, our kids work with money, both of them are very much a, you know, two marshmallows later. So, you know, I definitely think both of them will be, will be very successful in their own right. Congratulations. That's a win. I've been through these conversations and many others starting to sense that there's a significant generational shift, even people in their fifties, when they reflect on conversations at the dinner table with their parents, money never came up. Most of those people reflect back and say, I had no idea. I knew that they would tell me no if I wanted to buy something, but I didn't really understand exactly how it all connected. It was just a taboo subject, I think, at the, at the table. And today, I sense from talking to perhaps the parents that are in their 40s and 50s raising younger kids or even younger than that, they're starting to get more conversation going at an early phase. How about with your clients? Do you encourage them to get their kids involved in any of the financial planning meetings that you have? That was probably one of the most, you know, rewarding meetings that I've had. And it was a, di it was a difficult meeting just for the loss, but then there was also joy in it too, sometimes generationally. And there's one specific, you know, meeting that comes to mind with a client whose husband had recently passed away. And it was a difficult time, but it just so happened that the, the children were in town. And so we could all meet, you know, together and, and doing that and letting them know this is what had, you know, happened. This is the kind of work that had been done, you know, before we started working together. This is what started happening when we started working together. This is where things are and everything's going to be okay. 
you know, because they, the two of them have done an excellent job and we've, you know, hopefully enhanced, you know, some things there. A huge relief, I mean, for all involved to know that, you know, their best interests are met and that there's somebody watching over and that they don't have, you know, the concerns or worries, you know, that they would. I think a lot of those conversations do start off, you know, younger. And that's why I don't want to miss out, you know, on those opportunities for my kids. Yeah, everybody has a different decision to make when it comes to the education of their children. And those, those can be difficult, you know, decisions. For our kids, what we found, you know, in our area, we've decided to, to send them to a private school, but that hasn't been without sacrifice. And so they know this is intentional. We're spending this much you know, for you guys intuition so that you have these opportunities. And it's not as important that we live in a bigger home or, you know, in a different neighborhood or what have you, because right now this is what's most important to us. These are the sacrifices we're going to make to it and to make it happen. And so they value that. And it also, you know, they have a, a much greater attitude, I think, when they go to school because they know the sacrifice that their parents are, are making so that they can get there. So, you know, whatever it is, or, or the cars we drive, or how we come to these different, you know, purchase decisions, bringing them in on that, so that them getting ensnared with credit card debts, just likely not on the table, them, you know, trading up on a car, you know, every two, three years, and just rolling over is, is likely never going to be on the table just for them, because they know, and, and you and I have seen countless times what the difference is for someone who lives well within their means, and then saves and invests the difference, you know, for a long period of time, the impact that that has not only for them, but again, for their family. And then, you know, even to, you know, with their charitable giving or, or different community involvement, what it can mean for, for many other, you know, people as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So let's shift gears a little bit. You are a member of Cambridge's New Century Council. Thank you for your service. We get a lot of value from the advice that we get from our New Century Council as it relates to the future. But from your perspective, can you explain to our listeners what the New Century Council does and what your role is on that council? Absolutely. So for the New Century Council, our focus is what the industry could look like in the next seven to 10 years. And we come to that perspective with mainly how can we serve our clients and what we think that the future will require and how we can serve those clients in seven to 10 years. Also industry trends that might take us in, in different directions and where we see our own businesses. So it can be very you know, beneficial to look and see, okay, what does cryptocurrency you know, have for us? What does blockchain or artificial intelligence, how is that going to impact our industry and our clients' lives and our, and our clients' industries, since a lot of us work with, with business owners? So from that aspect, we're able to talk, hear, research together, you know, discuss, and then also, you know, have that forward thinking for the future. And that's what was kind of missing from, from where I was before is that they were running kind of an outdated business model, wishing that the financial industry would remain as it was in the 90s and early thousands. And that's just, you know, not available to us. And, and it was very, very different when working now with Cambridge as my independent broker dealer, because when going to the Ignite conference and hearing the transparency that you all have had of this is what we're working on. And this is where we think that we can meet needs was far different because normally a lot of those decisions and discussions are held very much at a home office 
and you know sent through you know public relations speak whereas this has been very different to where it's we're inviting you to participate in these discussions we're inviting you to help chart the course for us and and through that it's been very unique being able to work with different individuals that have different business models that serve different clientele or serve them differently to hear you know different ideas than that but then we've also heard of opportunities where things have been beta tested and so I've been able to participate in some beta tests that otherwise I would not have known to have existed to kind of give feedback to Cambridge. This is how it's going. And then also to, to, to stay a little bit you know, ahead of the game to see where is it that we're going and then to, to be able to shape my practice for that and adopt you know, different operations or procedures or, or abilities for my clients. So it's, it's been a wonderful thing to, to participate in and we definitely recommend that others look into it and apply to sit on the, the new Century Council. And yeah, it's been very valuable. That's great. It's so valuable to us. It celebrated its 10th anniversary very recently and it's really helped us, to your point, see the future. Sometimes it's more immediate future. Sometimes it goes faster than we need it to, but kick it around. We're not arrogant enough to believe that we can envision exactly what you need to serve your clients. So not everybody wants to be the stereotypical guinea pig, but I'm glad that there are some of you out there who are willing because it certainly saves us a lot of time and resources. I've seen other firms make significant investments in things without kicking it around in the real world with their financial professionals. And it's a waste. It's a waste of resources and money where we could be putting that to better use. So thank you very much for being a part of that for us. So what do you do when you're not working? What are your hobbies? Where do you spend your time? Do spend a lot of involvement with our church and then our kids' school volunteering. But, uh, you know, it's I read a lot and enjoy that, attend lectures, and really enjoy touring gardens with my wife. She can pick out, you know, all kinds of different plants, trees, and, and birds. So it's just really enjoyable, you know, to take a, a garden tour with her, you know, and probably some evenings after the, you know, kids are in bed watching, you know, documentaries or, or different things like that. So, you know, I guess also too, hiking, as far as reading, probably more nonfiction than fiction, but a lot of thought-provoking things as well as biographies. Really enjoy reading biographies of, about different individuals. Yeah. Are there opportunities through the books that you've read that you've used to grow your practice, change your practice, build your business? What's a lesson that you've learned that you've implemented that's been successful for you? Yeah, I really do enjoy reading business books, you know, from that point of view. But I would couch that to say to probably a mistake I've made is to read so many and then try to adopt all the ideas rather than being more critical to think of how am I uniquely wired and what uniquely my clients are looking for rather than try to adopt everybody's best practices to look solely again more how am I wired to serve and and who is that that I can uniquely serve you know from from that point of view so I do enjoy you know reading different you know business books from that mentality but at the same time you know you sometimes have to to be careful about trying to you know read too much and, and pour through and then you know if you're designing everything 
that's strictly quote unquote best practices, you're not very, you're not going to be very unique and you're not going to be very, you know, it's going to be very conventional that you're going to be serving people and, and unfortunately sometimes bland too. Great advice and a little overwhelmed probably because if you keep redesigning your business based on the most recent book that you just read, you're going to be too busy working on the business from that perspective than really serving and growing what's important, right? Which is figuring out to your point, your earlier points, what do the clients you serve need and how can you best deliver that when I would go to events, I would feel the same way because there's always authors there or you know speakers and coaches, and I'd come home with all these notes and it would just be overwhelming, almost like paralysis. And I got to the point where I had to, and I think this is what you're suggesting as well, if I can get one tip out of a book that makes sense and fits into my goals, great. If not, that's okay too. I've learned a different perspective and it might come in handy later. Right, right, absolutely. So, Sean, what's the future look like for you and your business, 2022, 23, 24? What, what are your goals? Do you spend time doing more strategic goal planning? And can you share those with us? Yeah, it's it's obviously difficult to to know the future. I don't think any of us would have expected the last year, you know, 2020 to look anywhere near, you know, what it did. But even through 2020 and, and 2021 so far, business has gone really well. And there's just been more people to serve and more people appreciative of the work. So that's been going really well. So as far as growth, you know, for Sojourn Wealth Advisory over the next couple of years, hiring staff and, and looking at different office space, more square footage, even, you know, with meeting people more virtually, that there still will be, you know, a demand for that. So those are some of the things, you know, that I'm looking to as, you know, business grows, I think you know, from the client experience that we'll look for, you know, thankfully, I have a, a solid, you know, what we call a tech stack, you know, working with clients, being able to reach them, transfer information, get them informed. I expect that to be refined, you know, more and more, less, less usernames, less passwords, but still, you know, meet the needs both in person as well as remotely for them. So those are some of the things, you know, the projects that, that I'll be, you know, working on. And then too, I would say just being in business, I'm very aware and it, it, you know, it's a privilege to be in the marketplace and to have the influence that we have. And so that's something I'm always, you know, thoughtful of and, and circumspect. So want to be able to use my business, you know, as, as a positive catalyst in the community that we serve. So looking for areas, you know, where, where that can, where that can work. That sounds great. Cambridge doesn't grow unless you grow. So I'm really glad to hear that you've got some ideas about growing the business into the future. And we're here to support you in any way that we can. So again, thank you for being a strong voice amongst Cambridge Stronger and joining me today. Any final words, any words of advice for somebody maybe thinking about getting into our business? Yeah, well, as far as words of advice, I would definitely do research to, to find out, you know, where you would land and what would give you the greatest, you know, probability of success. And, I, and with my, you know, research, you know, I came to Cambridge with that. I think the independence is, is better. And I, I think that there's more opportunity for structure and, and for working with people that, that you come across and, and can serve from that. But, you know, I would also too say, especially it seems at the time, but, you know, 2004, 2005, 
it was 2005 when I got started getting licensed, there was a very a very singular view about what someone looked like in the financial industry and in wealth management. And that is very much not the case today. And so, you know, you were expected to talk a certain way, to dress a certain way and all those kinds of things and to have those hobbies. And one of those hobbies that I, I don't do is golf, right? And so how strange is that? But that's kind of the people have this view that if you do this, you have to do that. I would think more again of how are they wired you know what is it that their unique personality and skill sets and traits lead them to and then from there who do they want to uniquely serve and and i think you know because of the flexibility that cambridge has you know that's what i've appreciated but you know have the individual think how are they wired you know what kind of traits do they have what kind of skills do they have and how can that you know put them towards success rather than working at someone that might expect them to be more of a cog in a wheel or dress a certain way or talk a certain way or, or what have you and and not allow the the freedom or the authenticity to to really be able to serve you know the public like we can couldn't have said it better as we like to say you control the journey and you just described a lot of ways that that can happen so Thanks for joining me again, and I hope to see you in person very soon. Yes, I hope so, too. I've, I've got a couple of those dates on the calendar later this year, so I hope we're able to have these in-person meetings for New Century Council as well as the Ignite Conference later this year. Perfect. Fantastic. Take care. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Cambridge Stronger. I invite you to listen to my podcast episodes where I have candid conversations with genuine, inspirational financial professionals and leaders within this fiercely independent financial services industry. The best of the best, the strongest of the strongest. You can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app. If you like what you've heard, please give us a review and head on over to our blog for more content at cambridgestronger.com. That's cambridgestronger.com.